Kia ora e te whanau. Welcome to our first Sunday session. It's cold here in Geelong, so definitely a blanket weekend. Good day, I think, for me to take you on a tour of Personality Paradise. It's a city. I made it up on my own. Call me biased, but bloody good name, I think. Of course, thank you very much to Lockie Music, L-A-C-H-I-E Music. Go and have a look on Facebook. He generously put together all my music for this podcast. Thanks so much, Lockie. Ooh, I hope you've got some good bickies and tea today because this one's going to be a chonker. We've got a little bit to get through, but it's going to be worth it. If you're going to the effort to learn about borderline personality disorder, you might as well zoom out a tiny bit here so that you understand the basis of all personality disorders. Just so you know, the defining criteria for personality disorders that clinicians, I think, have to use is in a manual called the DSM-5. That's the fifth edition. So it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. If you are curious, I invite you to Google DSM-5 Personality Disorders If you are interested in getting more into the clinical language, I'm going to try and leave that out of my podcast. Um, A, because you might get bored and fall asleep. And B, um, I need to stay in my lane. I've got lived experience with borderline personality disorder, but I'm not a clinician. So we should leave the professional stuff to the professionals. All right, with that being said, let's have a look at what the DSM describes as the defining criteria for personality disorders. So what they're looking for is impairments in personality functioning, which would be self-identity and self-direction, and also your relationship with empathy, as well as intimacy, so your relationships and what they look like. Are they unstable, volatile, avoidant, things like that. Then you've got uh, presence of pathological personality traits. If I just read you out some words, uh, you'll be able to paint a picture of what that means. So some words are recklessness, irresponsibility, rigidity, perfectionism, deceitfulness, narcissism, manipulativeness, cognitive dysregulation, and the list goes on. So these traits and impairments that you just learned about, the causes of them also need to be ruled out. So they can't really match a developmental stage that you might be going through. If you've had an accident and you might have got brain damage, um, you might be on certain medications, things like that. So the words they use is stable across time and consistent across situations. Kapai, now you know the foundation of a personality disorder diagnosis. Let's zoom in a little bit more and have a look at what clusters are and why they exist. 
So I'm going to take you on that tour, I promise you, of Personality Paradise. Don't forget, I came up with that name on my own, just in case you were looking for someone to credit. Um, it's me. Now, there's 10 personality disorders, and they are grouped into three clusters. So if we go into Personality Paradise, we'll come across four suburbs, not three. The people that named these suburbs are bound by very creative guidelines. And so the first one is called Cluster A. In the suburb of Cluster A, you'll find individuals that have what are referred to as odd eccentric types of disorders, schizotypal, schizoid and paranoid personality disorders. A few blocks away, we've got Cluster B. Here you will find people with disorders that are described as dramatic, emotional and erratic. The neighbourhood of Cluster B contains borderline, narcissistic, histrionic and antisocial personality disorders. So next up is Cluster C. I don't know if you saw that one coming or not, but here you have it, Cluster C. This is where people live who have disorders described as anxious and fearful. So these are the people who might have avoidant, dependent and obsessive compulsive personality disorders. So just to make sure that there's clarity in why they are clustered together is because they share similar traits and there is crossover sometimes between different personality disorders. So this is kind of how they've made the current diagnostic criteria work. Now, even though all of those 10 personality disorders have been categorized into their suburbs or clusters, as you will, there is actually a fourth area called PIDNOS, P-D-N-O-S, Personality Disorder Not Otherwise Specified. I'm not sure if it's been updated yet, but I like it if it is going this way, which is Personality Disorder Trait Specified. Basically, this means that the clinician who is diagnosing the client is pretty sure there's a personality disorder here, but they can't quite categorize them cleanly into one of these clusters or even specific disorders within that cluster. I was very interested to chat a little bit about changes within the DSM over the different versions in regards to personality disorders, but it's actually very complex, very interesting, and deserves more than a quick mention on this episode. So I am considering doing a, another episode on that. So the main takeaway for this episode is just to understand and remind yourself that these things aren't set in concrete and they're not static. They will change. They have changed the diagnostic criteria and they are currently designing an improved model while I don't know if they all agree that it's improved, but we will find out in the future. Now that you've learned what the basic recipe is for a personality disorder, let's zoom in to cluster B, where we will find borderline personality.
In the 70s, borderline was called so because the symptoms were somewhere between psychosis and neurosis. Clinicians have been arguing for a while now, I think, to change the name because they think it's quite stigmatised. If you live in the UK, you're probably um, aware of the name EUPD, which is Emotionally Unstable Personality Disorder. Firstly, if it's got personality disorder, it's always going to be stigmatised, whatever the words are in front of it. Secondly, if you really are worried about stigma, I'm not sure if calling it EUPD was maybe the best move. Just saying. Just a note for whoever whoever made that decision. Just if you can pass that on to that person. So if we go back and look at our base recipe of a personality disorder, now we're going to sprinkle in the details of BPD, borderline personality. So if we're having a look at the uh, personality or the impairments, sorry, in personality functioning with self and interpersonal, you will find a markedly impoverished, poorly developed or unstable self-image, often associated with excessive self-criticism, chronic feelings of emptiness, dissociative states under stress. I mean, it's already a good time and we're only just getting started. As you can imagine with the things you just heard about impairments in identity, uh, self-direction shouldn't be too surprising. Instability in goals, aspirations, values or career plans. So on top of that, you also have the impairments in interpersonal functioning. So if we look at empathy, the DSM talks about compromised ability to recognize the feelings and needs of others associated with interpersonal hypersensitivity. Also perceptions of others selectively biased towards negative attributes or vulnerabilities. But wait, there's more. Suzanne Paul, please don't copyright me or whatever it is. Don't get me in trouble. I just really like your saying, okay? Now let's look at intimacy. Here it says intense, unstable and conflicted close relationships marked by mistrust, neediness and anxious preoccupation with real or imagined abandonment. Close relationships often viewed in extremes of idealization and devaluation and alternating between over-involvement and withdrawal. It's a party. It's a party, I'm telling you. Before I read you out the pathological personality traits that somebody could present with um, when they are being assessed for BPD, it's probably a good time to tell you that there are 264 different ways somebody can present with BPD. So everybody's different. Many people will have different experiences. I can only speak on my personal experiences. So that's why you won't hear much about um, that on this episode. This is more to educate you on a broader term. So the pathological personality traits that somebody could present with 
if they have BPD, includes emotional liability, so unstable emotional experiences, frequent mood changes, emotions that are easily aroused, intense and or out of proportion to events and circumstances. You also have anxiousness, which is intense feelings of nervousness, tenseness or panic, often in reaction to interpersonal stresses, worry about the negative effects of past unpleasant experiences and also future negative possibilities. Feeling fearful, apprehensive or threatened by uncertainty, fears of falling apart or losing control. Also there is separation insecurity, fears of rejection by and or separation from significant others associated with fears of excessive dependency and complete loss of autonomy. You also unsurprisingly have depressivity, frequent feelings of being down, miserable and or hopeless, difficulty recovering from such moods, pessimism about the future, pervasive shame, feelings of inferior self-worth, thoughts of suicide and suicidal behaviour. We're about halfway, but I know that you're jealous. Next we have impulsivity, acting on the spur of the moment in response to immediate stimuli, acting on a momentary basis without a plan or consideration of outcomes, difficulty establishing or following plans, a sense of urgency and self-harming behaviour under emotional distress. The last two are risk-taking and hostility. So risk-taking, engagement in dangerous, risky and potentially self-damaging activities unnecessarily and without regard to consequences. Also lack of concern for one's limitations and denial of the reality of personal danger. Hostility includes persistent or frequent angry feelings, anger or irritability in response to minor slights and insults. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling quite uplifted at the moment. I know there was a lot of clinical language in there. It was a bit of a sterile episode, and I do apologise for that. But I genuinely think this is where all the work begins. You've got to have a good foundation of understanding to to truly get to know personality disorders and to be able to really be on the level of what people are going through. It's hard to be compassionate and it's hard to not be fearful of something if you don't really understand it. So just to recap, first you learn about the base recipe for a personality disorder. You learnt what the DSM was. You learnt that personality disorders are not static. Their diagnostic criteria has changed and will continue evolving, which is great also because that means treatment will continue evolving. You learnt about clusters and why personality disorders are clustered together. And then you started looking at the specific traits and personality characteristics of borderline personality. 
on the next episode, I'll dive straight back into the traits that we've just been talking about and I will pair them with my own lived experiences with BPD to help you start seeing the human side behind all of these clinical words and new things that you might have learnt today. Over the course of the podcast, I hope that I can help you learn a different perspective and maybe teach you some different things that you, you didn't know about personality disorders when you first started listening. Good job, genuinely, if you've made it this far. I hope you have, I really do, because it, it means a lot to me. Anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing you on the next one. I promise it will not be as clinical, but more lived experience, but more realness there. So hi da, see ya in a week. Thank you.